All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Elite Cast. I am Parker Rogers, and of course, I am always joined by my Bressington. All right, so uh, the biggest news today, what we're going to be kind of spending our time talking about, is the situation that unfolded yesterday, uh, Monday night in the NFL. Demar Hamlin goes down uh, with an injury during the first quarter of the Buffalo Bills Bengals game. Um, it was a very scary moment. I was watching with my family last night, and I know. Uh, for a lot of football players around the world, watching it hit just a little bit too close to home to see uh, a player go down like that. Um, he was on the field for a while. He was administered CPR for about nine minutes, and they used a defibrillator on him uh, to get his pulse back. And he was rushed to a trauma hospital in the Cincinnati area. Uh, very scary stuff. It's never easy to watch somebody go down with an injury of any kind, much less uh, watch somebody fight for their life on the football field. Matt, uh, as you take a look at what happened, you wake up and you see, you know, what unfolded uh, last night. What were your thoughts like going through your head as as you saw what was unfolding? Yeah, it took me a while to um, find out about. It. Obviously, it was late last night and early morning for uh, Europeans. So, like, it took me a minute to find out what happened, and then immediately start hearing the news about like a player collapse obviously go to find out about it and it's a cardiac arrest which is obviously as a as a young man he's in his early 20s he's not been in the league for very long um yeah it's terrible it can happen to anyone uh that's why we all gotta be very safe and take the precautions because it's happened in lots of sports christian erickson and a few years ago as a football player mm-hmm. another soccer player that was uh having a similar situation and yeah it's, it's very shocking you know he, he makes a tackle stands up all seems well and then all of a sudden he's uh receiving cpr and and uh having a defibrillator so yeah it's good to see that he's making progress and that you know he's he's in a he's in critical condition but he is mm-hmm. at this moment in time stable uh and his family released a statement saying that they would appreciate all the support and stuff like that but you know it's, it's a dangerous game that we all play and that's why we have the uh the precautions and the coaches will look out for players the best they can. And uh yeah, it's just it's hammers home the importance of uh safety in the game and how much it is uh important to keep people safe when they're playing it. Yeah, and that was one of the one of the discussions last night was you know the interaction between the coaches and the and the aftermath thereof of uh Hamlin's injury. You know, obviously the 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 league came back and said, all right, we're gonna give you five minutes to warm up and then uh, Zach Taylor and and the Bills coach, they went and talked to each other. And like essentially, I, what I can assume a conversation that went sort of along the lines of, "Look, we're not going to be able, nobody's going to be able to get their mind off of you know their fallen brother. Like, what's like his health is in question. Nobody's going to be able to to really be able to get back and play this football game. And I guess it was Roger Goodell that that it had to have been Roger Goodell or somebody in the the front office of the NFL that said, "All right, give them five minutes and." let them play, but somebody was is, is fighting for the life on the field. I don't think that's, you know, the most appropriate way to to handle that situation. And then of course, afterwards they suspended the game. And then, you know, now the game was, the, it was canceled uh, that it took over an hour for the game to be canceled. Uh, I don't see the, uh, the, the appropriateness in that uh, taking so long uh, for league officials to kind of come together and be like, all right, like this is a serious issue. I mean, we were all sitting there watching it. Like for anybody watching it at home, you we were able to see the seriousness of the situation. I mean, there were five commercial breaks for one injury, which has never been seen before. 
Um, I mean, the closest that I can you know think about is a couple years back when Ryan Shazier went down. Um, obviously, it was on the same field, um, and I was watching that live as well when he got paralyzed. But it's never easy to to be faced with an injury or to see somebody that's so close to us in age even yeah. get get gets get such a, a harmful injury. And it really does, you know, make you sit down and think about the game of football. And honestly, it makes me think about how I personally have kind of taken the game for granted, you know, because you never know, like, when you wake up, you say, like, you know, I'd die for this. Like, I'd give my life for this. Like, the brother standing right beside me, I would do anything for him. And now we're faced with a situation where we see somebody who actually could. Um, that just puts a lot of a lot of different things into perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's um, 24. Uh, he's a young guy, sixth round pick. So he's 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 only been in the league a year and a bit. But yeah, I mean, it's speaking from personal experience. You know, we've, I've had a similar situation with a game that I was coaching in where we had it wasn't exactly the same, but you know, he had uh, this player in question I want to talk about too much. I don't want to compare people's experiences, but mm-hmm. you know, he uh, he required medical attention, and we caught we as coaches came together. So I've uh, we we had like a discussion whether or not we want to continue this. And we wanted to leave it up to the players and they chose to um, postpone the game themselves. So, you know, it shows the effect if you're a player that that would have on you. You know, I've, I've been a, a coach in that situation. It's, it's never easy to see the players. Uh, you can see them thinking about, you know, that could have been me. That, that player, is. I'm literally just playing him a second ago and that, that very easily could have been me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it does. It does put in perspective. You know, I'm nearly 23 and I haven't played for a while, uh, because I've reached the best that I could have got from with my ability, and um, I went out because I didn't want to get injured. So I mean, it's a similar thing. Players go out because they don't want to get injured, and these these things happen to these young guys, and it's it's terrible to see. But in a sense, we're we're kind of conditioned and we're trained to, you know, to deal with these hits and deal with these injuries. And, you know, you, know, you get hurt, you sprain an ankle, you're taught how to deal with it, you're taught how to rehab from it, you, you know, you tear an ACL. That's that's horrible. And I would never wish that on anybody, but you're you're trained for it and you're built for it. You're not built to to collapse on the field with cardiac arrest. You're not built to to handle that as a as a player. You're not built to handle that as a teammate, because that's something that we thought that we would never have to to think about uh, in a situation like this, in a game like this. And it really, it really, honestly, it makes me think about like, like you said, like that could have been somebody else, somebody else that, you know, like it makes, it makes the game of football that much more special and that much more precious to a lot of people because it's puts a lot of different things into perspective because you never know, like when you're honestly, you never know when your last game may be, you never know when your last play maybe and what looked like a, a routine play a routine tackle from a 24 year old who who's in his second year in the league started 14 games this year and it looked like a routine tackle ended up being you know a life-threatening like event and it just honestly it's still a, not even a day later it's just still utter shock uh to a lot of people yeah i mean then eric berry comes to mind as well so it's a different mm-hmm. situation but a, a safety in his prime taken away from us in terms of his uh, potential through cancer. So it's another one yeah. of those things that can happen to anyone and you can't predict it. And there's no way you can, you know, see that that's going to happen. And we potentially may see a year of his career where he's going through. Hopefully when he uh, recovers from it, we could see a year of him uh, not being a league, but it'd be great to see him come back, obviously, and uh, prove why he's been such an established player on one of the best mm-hmm. teams uh, in the league. 
one of the best defenses in the league too at that safety position. I mean, he's really established himself, started started 14 games. And to your point there, you know, it reminds us of, you know, the different people, Eric Berry, he obviously he went out with uh, cancer and he got treatment. He came, he came back. Um, but then there's, you know, other more extreme cases. We have the Ryan Shazier's, the, the mm-hmm. Inky Johnson's, the, um, you know, all these other guys, uh, Ryan Clark. Pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. So you never, you never know just when your last game may be. And that, that does also point out to people that we do play a dangerous game. We do play a physical sport that you got to run through these possibilities. Nobody wants to think about the bad things. We all want to think about the good things. You know, we, we want to think about making it to the next level. We want to think about winning the championship. You know, we want to think about the good times, the memories that we're going to make with our brothers. Nobody wants to focus on the bad things, but we see an event like this kind of shift our perspective. Like, okay, what are the, the negative aspects of playing the game that we all love? And I think that's, that's something that if there wasn't a lot of attention on it previously, there's a lot of light being shed on different aspects of, of football now. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it makes it even more important to, like, look after yourself mm-hmm. for stuff like this, but also for stuff like concussions and, uh, you know, small injuries that could become worsened by wear and tear. So, obviously, about second concussions could be life-threatening, potentially. So I mean, you, you see know, the NFLPA in, investigating the Miami Dolphins this year with two attack of Aloha. Exactly, uh, yeah. Two, three concussions on the year already. Yeah. like he, he went down on the was, same field. Uh, earlier this year, he went down on the Bengals field with that severe concussion that a lot that had a lot of people worried. Yeah, he he could medically retire realistically after that. Mm-hmm. Like I know with um rugby players, they're given four or f- three or four, and then they're told that they got either take some extended time off or they got to retire. But like, that's mm-hmm. he's done that in he had what three in a year. That's a, just that's a, a couple lot of months, exactly. four months. And they say there's like a, a 12 to 24 week, uh, you know, protocol to go all the way through the concussion protocol. And he was back in like two weeks. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of questions. We're still, you know, coming up with, um, you know, figuring out how bad concussions can be and how to properly um, maintain and go through that development. But yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a scary sport and, you know, with stuff like that, we've got already um, put into question the uh, safety of the players and how we can improve that going forward. Yeah, and obviously, you know, just in in the app in the immediate aftermath and the the pouring out from the the NFL community, the fans and organizations, uh, all of our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Demar Hamlin. But that does you know bring up another question: How can you uh, pre- like work to prepare yourself to protect yourself? Uh, going forward, like playing football, how, how how does somebody like protect themselves and make sure that they aren't going to, obviously this is like a very isolated case and a very serious case, but you know, in, in terms of other injuries, concussions and stuff like that, how, how can players make sure that they don't uh, suffer these great injuries that like, like we've been seeing uh, trending? Yeah. yeah. I mean, honesty with the coaches has got to be the first thing. If you're feeling hurt or like injured or concussed, you've got to be honest with your coach and tell them, because like they've got fifty three people, maybe more that they've got to you know essentially care for, and if you don't tell them that you're hurt, you don't tell them you're injured, you don't go to physio and a lot of times or anything like that, then you know you've got to be more you know proactive with your decision making. You've got to be a lot more vocal in your communication, especially with the coaches. You know they care for you. Every coach is there because they want to be, and uh, 
you know, I don't think anyone in that team is going to be annoyed that you're missing a game from concussion. Like mm-hmm. everyone being in a similar position. And uh, there's never any judgment when it comes to head injuries or neck injuries because that's extremely serious. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on, I just like to to take a moment and you know just read what it what it is that the NFL released uh, their latest statement on Demar Hamlin, uh, one that we're seeing come come uh, here in the aftermath. It says the NFL continues uh, to be in regular contact with the medical team caring for Demar Hamlin and also the Bills and Bengals organizations and the NFL Players Association. After speaking with both teams uh, and NF, the NFLPA leadership, the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, informed the clubs that the bills Bengals games would not be resumed this week. Obviously, that was something that was in question because it was a very pivotal game uh, for the for the for the NFC. Um, it, the statement goes on to say the NFL has made no decisions regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. And the league has not made any changes to the week 18 regular season schedule. We will continue to provide additional information as it becomes available. Um, yeah, just something to, to you know, be, be on the watch for, because this was a very pivotal game. It, it could decide uh, home field advantages for the NFL playoffs and everything. Um, and a lot of a lot of pivotal and important you know, just happenings within within the NFL this week. Uh, speaking of pivotal and important things happening within professional leagues. Uh, there's been a couple new signings in the ELF. The Frankfurt Galaxy have come on real strong uh, yesterday and today, signing a bunch of offensive linemen. Uh, the most noticeable, uh, Daniel Milo Vitek. I don't really yeah. know how to say his last name. Say. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, from University of Virginia. Uh, yeah. Offensive lineman, offensive guard, tackle, uh, signed to the, to the Frankfurt Galaxy. Hopefully we'll see some supremacy come back there. Hmm. They've been, yeah, they've always been a bit of a contender, but they've never, you know, they won it in the first year and then they, you know, they've they've kept some of their base players, but they haven't pushed for that title again yet. But I think he gave up a few years of eligibility, I believe, to come back to Europe. I think he gave up like four years more of eligibility to come back yeah. to play in uh, the ELF, which we haven't I mean, seen before. We haven't. Um, obviously, if the opportunity is there, you want to be able to jump on it to play at a at a higher level or play go somewhere where you know that you're going to play. Um, so I think I think that's, that's a it's a really big and pivotal move. Not something that you would you know normally see going from having eligibility left in Division One to coming and playing in 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 Europe. But you know he's he's hometown. He's from uh, Europe, so that it does make a little bit of sense. And then you know they also signed two other uh, offensive linemen. Um, let's see. They extended uh, Yannick Keel and they mm-hmm. extended Sven Fisher. So it mm-hmm. looks like they're trying to reestablish themselves, uh, which would be really, really. Uh, I think that's actually really solid for Sullivan as he enters the season. I know there's a little, little bit of question about him last year, uh, performance wise, but I think having a solid offensive line that he can trust and that he can t- continue to build with will uh, up his production in the coming season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got quite a few return players. Kevin Mwamba is another player that's returning. They've got uh, a few of their linebackers who are also returning. A lot of their receiving core are coming back. Uh, they've still got Joshua at the safety position. Then they had that weird thing with the Raiders where they both swapped American corners, mm-hmm. which is quite funny uh, to me with uh, Jamalcolm Liggins. And they kind of, you know, they kind of exchanged them. And they've got Carlos Bruins as well. So they're, they're really building... 
Um, Tony Anderson was another one of the players they've got. So yeah, they've they've put back together a few of the pieces. They've they've got that core back of the team of the original team that um won that championship in the first year, and I think they could uh really come back into the playoffs. Obviously, the divisions are going to be a hard one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them, but I think that we could see the uh, the return, and then obviously with the Panthers signed their QB this week as well, and there's been quite a few of uh, some people commenting on that one. Did you see about that one? I did not. Enlighten me and the audience about what happened with the Panthers. <laughs> so the Panthers have signed. Let me get his name real. Uh, I don't believe it's Nicholas Rango. Yes, Nick Rango. So. A few people have been a bit um, confused at the signing. You know, he he, he is a JUCO guy who okay. he threw, I believe, thirteen touchdowns to ten interceptions. Uh, he's hmm. I don't I haven't done a full review on him yet. That will be coming in the next few days. But he is not to the quality that a lot of people expected the Panthers to go for. You know, he is twenty three. He's a young guy. Uh, he has a decent arm, but with the turnover problems and a lack of experience, I believe he went to a D1 school and then or a D3 school and uh, wasn't the starter. So he's in a weird position. I believe it's his first um, professional contract, but I think that he might struggle. You know, he is, in my opinion, the weakest of the starting QBs that I've currently gone through. And I went through most of the uh the league sign-ins but let me look at yeah so he only played yeah so he played one year in 2018-19 he threw 51 percent completions uh and then 10 games through 2098 yards 6.7 yards on average with 13 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and i believe a few of those were in one game so he scored Three touchdowns in one game, five touchdowns in another, and four in another. So he had quite a few. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, six games where he didn't throw a touchdown. Um, he had four games where he threw two interceptions, and he has never not been sacked. So, yeah, I think um, there's a lot uh, of question marks. And just kind of looking over him, he was. Committed to the University of Albany. That's the NCAA Division One FCS school. Mm-hmm. Um, after COVID, they didn't have a season. He graduated. Uh, he went to some camps, and he got invited to training sessions for CFL. Didn't make it in the CFL, apparently. And then he signed a contract with the Major League of Football in America on the team, the Virginia Armada. But they never had a season. Um, This is... Honestly, really surprising. He has not played in a while. No. And he's 23. So, like, he's not an experienced guy anyway. You know, I mean, he's, he's stepping already... onto the biggest the biggest stage in all of Europe, having not played in ages. I mean, exactly. I had a quarterback this year uh on my on, on my team in college. He transferred in from Liberty College, a division one FBS team. Um, didn't play, didn't start there, didn't get playing time there. So he came to, to my college and you know, we are, we're all like, yeah, he's good, but he's just inexperienced. And it took him a, a little bit to get going and to, and to start clicking. Um, and obviously, you know, we play at a very high level. I go to one of the better uh, Division three football programs in America. 
But this is just this is we're we're talking about the professional league. Uh, so how they how he pulled this off, how he performed and got their attention, it's a shocker to me. Yeah, and I'm I'm speaking. Uh, you know, I've done quite a few of the analysis of the of the Panthers squad. I'm I'm thinking they're gonna have a really rough year. Uh, I'm not particularly impressed with much of their team. Their receiver core is not looking great. Uh, they have a good run. They have a really good running back. Um, but you know they have an aging team. Uh, they re-signed a lot of their bench players, which is good. But you know they they. I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to be great. I think they will struggle this year. I think they'll be near the bottom, if not the bottom of the league. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's not looking great from my perspective. They may come out and surprise me. I would love them to. But personally, I can't see it. I think mm-hmm. that uh, Octavia Smith, the DB, is a great signer. Um, and I think they, they're, they're American imports. Like Solomon Brown are, are yep. really good. Like The Americans they brought in are really good, but I don't think the Polish talent is enough. And I don't think they've signed good enough EU international players. I think that uh, Timmy, the Finnish uh, linebacker, is also a good signing. And obviously, I said about that running back. So they got a couple in there, but I don't think they have enough homegrown talent to really compete with teams like Germany and Austria. Yeah, they went five and seven last year. They were under five hundred in the Northern Conference, right underneath the Berlin Thunder and Hamburg Sea Devils, and just barely above the Leipzig Kings. Uh, honestly, you look at it; they were two and four in the conference, which is a thirty-three percent win percentage. In Overall, they had 287 points for and three. they let up 305 points. Um, it's one of the – not one of the worst in the league. Obviously, obviously the Frankfurt Galaxy. Um, actually, no, I read that wrong. Yeah, that was one of the worst in the league. Um, third in the – third worst in the league uh, for points against. So they really need to step it up if they're going to be playing in this conference. And, not, you know, they're, they're going to a – tough tough conference with you know cologne uh frank actually no with Bert they're going back to berlin vienna leipzig and, and throners and the lions so they're gonna have to to fight for their life a little bit this year just to try and get themselves reestablished in the league yeah i think they're gonna really really struggle i think the teams like they'll be above teams like in throners because it's literally a new team uh but i think they'll be among the Prague team. I think the Prague mm-hmm. have a little bit better homegrown talent as it stands. Uh, but I think... The but are they really getting the best homegrown talent? Is there some <laughs> internal issues within the Prague Lions about getting the best homegrown talent? Because <laughs> you tell every, me. <laughs> I mean, because everybody wants... To, every team wants to get the best players from their respective countries. And if you're not yeah. able to go out and at least talk to the best players in your country, at least put them into consideration. And I think you might be doing something wrong. Obviously, Prague has signed some of the better offensive linemen from their countries. They have signed the best receivers, and they brought in an American import at quarterback. Um, as somebody who's played with a lot of these players, a lot of skill players I played with, um, and, you know, obviously they just went and signed their other American import, uh, def- defensive back, DJ DJ Reader or something, DJ somebody uh, from the University of Alabama. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you really got to focus in on getting those homegrown spots because you have you have a limited number of uh 
European spots and you have a limited number of export spots. So you have all these spots for homegrown talent that you really want to, you really want to load up on. If anything, you want to get depth at positions. So the fact that we haven't seen many, many signings from the Prague Lions as they're trying to establish themselves and build themselves up in this team, a little bit shocking to me, especially since um, their head coach, Zach Harrod is very high on getting the best talent in the league and being somebody who's watched this league for the past uh, since 2019. So almost four years, I've seen some, some players that, you know, may not be getting looked at and could potentially be getting looked at by other teams. That would be a a critical loss for the Lions, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the Czech team, as in like the Czech national team, doesn't mm-hmm. have the same amount of depth as like uh, other teams do. They don't. Like um like Milan, we they haven't got the best uh Italian players in like Jordan Bua. Haven't got Jordan Bua, they haven't got Vigani, they haven't got Ardeci. They're all players that have signed for teams outside of Milan. But yeah, they mm-hmm. still have the strength to bring in other Italian players who are able to start on an ELF team. Whereas Prague, if if they have any players that have Czech national that get taken by other teams, that could be really, really detrimental to them during the season. You you wouldn't want to see your best homegrown talent get taken out by somebody else and then regret not like looking at them hard enough or recruit essentially recruiting them hard enough to come to your team or trying to work with them just a little bit more. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out. We'll see what goes down uh, over in Prague uh, and obviously other countries and other teams in the league. Yeah. Cause isn't there 400 signings now? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a busy few months and I, like the teams are shaping, but shaping out the preseason is very close. You got team uh, like leagues like Spain, they're starting mm-hmm. really, really soon, uh, where some players do play in Spain before they play in the ELF. So I think uh, a lot of the Dragons um, fans will be wanting to keep an eye on um, that league because I think we could see quite a few players playing then and then play after the Spanish league into the ELF, especially with Barcelona. Mm-hmm. They've got they've been gutted a little bit with their team. You know, they lost yeah. Akhed, lost Carl Sweet, they lost um, Alessandro Fernandez. Like they lost. So many, uh, so many players. Diego Rivera as well is a player that went outside the league and has joined a different uh, team in the GFL. So like, they've lost a lot. I think the Spanish league coming up is is going to be huge for uh, Spain in terms of recruiting for this season because that starts in. Let's have a quick check. Yeah, that starts in January, so it starts this month and uh, mm-hmm. runs until April, and then straight after that. European League of Football starts in June. <laughs> so they're going to need to um, go heavy on that team. Otherwise, Barcelona could be another team that we see struggle. Yeah, definitely really want to see how the rest of the, the ELF offseason shakes out going into to team camps and, you know, OTAs and stuff like that. But for now, we're just going to have to settle with what we have and, you know, looking, you know, looking through uh, uh, sort of smoked glass, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, just because we don't have a clear picture yet. Uh, so we're going to be waiting just a little bit longer uh, to see the to, to see the full picture, to see how teams really do shape out. I guess the most important thing that's really come together is the quarterbacks. Every team has signed a quarterback, which is the centerpiece of a professional team. So, yeah, I, I hope that in the next you know couple weeks, maybe next month or two, we start to see the finalization of team rosters and uh, just see how this new 
I would call this the the new era of the ELF uh, shakes out. Yeah, we'll have to do another tier list to see what team we think can replace Istanbul as well. Whether or not they oh. come back next year, maybe I don't know. But uh, I did put on my Twitter that I had three te- three uh, locations I think deserve a ELF team. So we'll have to do a part two of that one. I think. Let's do it. So, so you guys stay tuned for that. That'll be coming very, very soon. Um, Cause we do want to see a team replace Istanbul, if not Istanbul come back, which is you know, a possibility that they kind of tossed around out there in their press release. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but that about does it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Just wanted to give you all a little, our, our thoughts and uh, just reactions to the DeMar Hamlin situation in the NFL. And just talk a little bit about the, the European league of football, some, some new signings and different stories and contra- potential controversies here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. See you later. See you guys.